Hello and welcome to the Emerging Excellence Podcast. I'm your co-host, Felicity Fury. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Brett Bassett. And today we have a special guest joining us, Alana Lane Mullins. She's the Executive Director of the Public Sector Commission. And we're going to be deep diving into all things employee engagement, retention, and how do we make it valuable for people to stay within our organisations. Very important topic, I think, particularly given the movement that's happening across all sectors, you know, infrastructure, engineering, every sector I think is affected by a lot of movement of people. So if you're someone who's looking to engage, retain, attract the best people within your organisation, then today's session is for you. Alana, I'd love to kick things off by hearing your story. I mean, fancy title, Executive Director, very inspiring to have someone of your caliber on the podcast today how did you get there what is your story nice and thanks for having me felicity it's a pleasure to be here so bit of a a long and winding story i originally started off as an as a lawyer so i did a number of different you know, areas of specialisation and then ended up landing in employment law. So when I was at university, I did a business degree majoring in human resource management and then I also did the law degree. I always knew I wanted to work with people. I'm quite people-focused, but I really enjoyed the law degree. So I went in and practised law for a number of years. But it was probably who I started advising and what I was advising, which led me back to HR and to people. So I started advising, you know, CEOs, chiefs or heads of HR, chief operating officers in terms of if they had a particular problem, you know, with an employee that they needed to solve. But what I could see was that what we actually needed was to change the employment settings or a strategy or do some things before it got to that problem, which would ensure that into the future, everyone would have a better experience. But no one was asking a lawyer those questions. So I realised pretty quickly that that's where I wanted to focus. And I kind of then started to look in-house. How can I be, you know, in-house within a HR or a people function? So I started working universities. So I worked across a number of universities, at first in an industrial relations role, because that's where my you know, experience was. And then I was able to move into broad HR manager roles and then different roles across the organisation. So I headed up equity and diversity, headed up, you know, kind of leadership development and really rounded out my industrial skills. And then for the last two years, I've been leading up HR functions across the Queensland public uh, sector. Awesome. That's really... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it's really that that focus on people and, you know, people-centric and I guess really understanding that they are our most valuable asset. And what I love is, is the impact that you can have in these types of roles in all sorts of different organisations. And Felicity, I must declare, you know, I'm a public servant as, as Alana is. I know Alana from a previous role where we both worked together. So I just wanted to just declare that. But let me just say this, having Alana here to talk about engagement, people, employee value propositions is fantastic because I've had the pleasure of working with a number of, of really high performing HR professionals, Alana is up there in my absolute top two. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And it's because of one particular thing that I like about the way that Alana looks at the people piece is she's not afraid to challenge the CEO. And, and that's one of the one of the, the first things that I remember about Alana is we had this debate when Alana first started working 
and I, and I started working together. And the conversation around people was, what drives culture? Is it values or is it behaviour? And we had opposing views. Mine was behaviours drive culture, behaviours drive value, which then drives culture. And I've had the pleasure of working with Lana on, on a, a not-for-profit board as well. And the thing is, that's important is, my view has now changed, which is really relevant for the conversation today. Values drive culture, and that then is why the employee value proposition, which is one of the things we're going to talk about, is so important. So interesting. I think there's so many places we could take this conversation. I love the strategic piece. I love that you're a challenger, Alana, and it's interesting how you describe that. Of you started to see problems, but I think how you how you describe that was great around as a real problem solver. Of okay, that's kind of the end result. Let's take a step back and let's look bigger picture and set that strategy. And I feel as an engineer by training myself, that's kind of what we set out to do: is go and find the hunt down these problems and solve it. There's so much to that to unpack, and I think I want to start with where what is kind of big thing to tackle. If you're going into the organization and you're going, I can identify these problems, I can see strategies to help solve them. But you're often working in large organizations and you know, universities, massive. I've worked in that space as well, public sector. Hard. Where do you even start? You go, okay, I've seen this problem with people. Um, it's, most CEOs I talk to, or actually everyone that I've asked about it, has said this is like always on, on my challenge list is people. Where do you even start to tackle this? And I think that's. That's a really good segue too in terms of there are there are lots of problems and there are lots of different solutions, but until you understand your environment, your organisation and where they are in terms of their journey and path really determines what you have to prioritise and what those solutions need to look like. So certainly I think you need to work with the leadership team and with the employees to identify where the priorities are and where do people put their value to determine where you therefore have to put your resources and your effort. Because I think, you know, post-COVID in particular, any HR department anywhere, and I think probably all CEOs are talking about people. How do we attract? How do we retain? You know, what is our value proposition? What is that unique offering that we have that's going to keep our quality people there and attract others? So but the answers to that differ depending on your environment, the context, and what are your other challenges that you need to balance that up with. So, uh, so sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to cut up, cut cut you off. It's funny as you were talking, I was sort of thinking, you know, often when we talk about uh, assets, our people being our most important assets, and you know, the need to have an engagement or attention or an employee value proposition. Often, I think, in my experience, what people sometimes think about, and keen to get your view on this, is that the way that our people feel or the way that our people respond are often the result of things that not specifically people focus. So, for example, if we look at uh, technology challenges, you know, things that make people's lives harder, things that, you know, that make their job, you know, more challenging. Often, you know, what I've seen in my career as a CEO is that if you don't get to the nub of what is the impact of a risk or an issue over here on our people, rather than just going to the question of saying, why are our people like this? I think sometimes you might, you know, you might miss a really important piece of the hmm. puzzle. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, 
I completely agree with you. And I think that everybody needs to invest in what is the value proposition, like what are the things that we need to do to make sure we're an amazing organisation. Part of that is also being able to identify where are we not effective? Where can we release capacity? So those things may not be part of your value proposition, but they're just part of general functioning. And if you can't get right, no one gets to move on to the good things. You know, so I think that there's probably less focus or less time and attention for those, you know, you know, value proposition components, whether it be salary benefits, you know, contributing to a social purpose. If you don't actually just make business effective and efficient and you don't allow people to get on with the job that you've asked them to do, then they never get to enjoying those things because it's such a slog. And if I step back and just think about leadership, and, and Brett, you'll smile when you hear this because it's it's Simon Sinek, and it's really, you know, what is the leader's job? It's to create an environment where people can thrive. Yeah. And no one thrives if you don't get the basics right. So so I do think that there, there is that interconnection. But if you don't get the basics right, I would say don't prioritise an, an employee value proposition go back and get those things right first, then you will also create some space and capacity for more time to invest in what your value proposition is. Yeah, I'm sure it's different for every organisation, but it sounds like there's some, sort of some basics or fundamentals and kind of imagining a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but for people within organisations. So I love that having, it sounds like the base is, you know, can I do my job effectively and efficiently? And then right at the top is, here's this you know, value proposition that's been collaborative, designed by the whole organisation. Would that be right? And are there steps in between to sort of go from, okay, or if people are listening going, oh, where's my organisation at? I feel like there are still some basic things I need to get right. Is that how you think about it, Alana? Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, and I think that there's probably, you know, the the introduction of, you know, psychosocial hazards and some more information about how to make sure you have a safe environment. I think it's just more information around those basic requirements that you need to get right to just get the foundations of any workplace right. And, you know, that has meant that there's more guidance on how to do those things, right? So, yes, it's things like having, you know, policies and procedures, effective systems. And, and I guess when I think of it, I look at the, you know, people process technology in the people side of things. Have we got our behaviours, our values? Do they understand our mission? In terms of the processes, are they effective? Are they fit for purpose? Because depending on your organisation, whether it's large, it's small, you know, the number of layers will depend on, you know, what are the delegations? What does that process need to look like? And then thirdly, what are all of our, you know, what, what is our technology doing? Is it enabling those things? Is it hindering those things? Do we actually need to invest in more? So I think that that's kind of your basic get those things right and it's then at that point that you can move into, and you absolutely got it there, Felicity, before when you said this co-create an employee value proposition. Because I think the real risk when you don't get it right is that you actually haven't listened to your employees or that you haven't listened to everyone and therefore it doesn't quite align to the organisation that you have or the workforce that you have. And then people switch off and disengage and it probably has the reverse effect of what you wanted is that people don't feel heard. And then I think that's a big reason as well why people often leave organisations is that that heard and they don't feel valued. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, and you also miss that that ability to then get them. You know, your employees are your your biggest advocates, and if you can get it right for them, then you won't have to pay anyone. But they will be walking around talking about how good it is to work at this organisation. You know, and it will be their own words. Alana, at a base level, let's go back to some fundamental thoughts issues. Given you know the people that might be listening to this might be new into a leadership or a management role, or we might have some some people who have been in significant or senior leadership roles that probably you know, that may not have actually have had a conversation about an employee value proposition. So, what does an employee value proposition mean to you? Yeah. So it is the clear message or what an organisation has identified as their unique value that they offer the people who work there. So it can differ depending on your organisation and it can be anything from, you know, compensation, rewards and benefits to professional development, to flexible work arrangements or contributing to a broader social purpose. So depending on what is the business that your organisation, you know, delivers, what is the culture and what is valued by your employees will really determine what that unique value of working at your organisation should be and should focus on. And that co-creation piece that you and Felicity were talking about before, that's a really important part of of it, isn't it, in actually saying to an organisation, we want to create this EVP but, gee, we need your input, your buy-in, and actually your help in doing so because otherwise it's not really an organisational ZVP. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's the basic question of why do people want to come and work for us as opposed to the organisation down the road that may actually deliver exactly the same service or product. It's what is unique about working here and come, and it's 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 the deal. So if if employees are going to come and work at this organisation, these are the types of you know outcomes and rewards that you will receive. This is the deal that you will get. And you say deal, Felicity. I'll stop asking questions in a minute because I know you want to jump in. But you say the word deal. Am I right in saying that the EVP has to be a two way conversation, both in respect of what the current or prospective employee can get, but also what the employer expects in exchange for that. That That's definitely how I see it, yeah, that it has to be the both. And if at either end of that relationship between employer and employee, if either don't feel like the other party is living up to the deal, then the reality is they'll go and find someone else or somewhere else to work living those values every day and demonstrating that. I think that's a really key part for a leader as well is having that demonstrated I'm following the code or, or whatever that standard is within an organisation and it's a lot about the actions rather than the words that you wrote down for your EVP. If they're not actually living those and if people aren't seeing that, it's yeah, it's almost like the unspoken communication as well can make a message for people. I'd love to know... Sounds awesome. I'd love to have one of these in my organisation. What are kind of some of the common roadblocks and barriers that you've faced? It sounds like challenging CEOs like like Brett potentially. You might have to (laughs) Uh along the way. Have you seen any kind of common themes or, or challenges in implementing something like this? Yeah, definitely. And and I think probably one of the key one of one of the key challenges is you know not getting everyone on board 
Like, so you can develop a really good EVP, but what you need is actually for your organisation to live and breathe it. So whether that be the senior leadership team, you know, like we need, you know, that takes time. Like it's about making sure that the people who are leading this work understand what it is, understand, you know, from a HR and a leadership perspective but then can also put it into their own words so that when they're talking to their employees, when they're engaging at a forum or doing their own newsletter, that they start to incorporate these things. So at that level, so that it can be embedded across the organisation. And, you know, going back to your point, Felicity, of, you know, people watch what happens and whether they walk the walk, you know, if people don't actually see that these things matter and that they are important, then they're not then they're often just not. So it's just a line on a piece of paper or it's in your, you know, your employer branding video. So the reality is that you, one, you have to make sure your senior leaders understand it, but two, you then need to make sure it's embedded throughout your organisation. So, you know, a good practical way of doing that is have a look at your employee life cycle when you start with attraction and make sure that the messages and the employee value proposition, what you say is unique and important about your organisation is actually can be seen in each of those, whether it's in your, you know, advert, whether it's in your position description, it might be a tagline in terms of, you know, when you're going out to highlight your particular position and your particular organisation. So there are lots of different ways to do it. It's not real until it's in those things. And then you just go through and you go, right, attraction, and then you might say, right, once we're retaining them, what does that look like? Are we linking back to it with initiatives once people are working here? How does it link to our leadership programs? So you just systematically go through, and lots of these things will be things you're already doing. So it's not reinventing, you know, a completely new wheel. It's just enhancing what you've already got and then reinforcing that message. That's great. That bind for everyone is so powerful. And we find that with our programs, if we aspire, if people aren't bought in, then they're not going to turn up, take it seriously, et cetera. And that's, I think, one of the things we work very closely with organisations with is creating that from the very beginning and having that be a foundation together. Brett, I'd love to hear from your perspective. Have you found this challenge as well from, I guess, your CEO lens? You're walking the walk. How putting you on the spot here, but how have you found that playing out for you and and with your teams? So I think it's difficult, right, because when you're at the top of the tree, everyone wants to see you fall. Let's be really, really clear. And I think one of the, the challenges for a leader is everybody makes mistakes. Part of actually being a good leader, and we've spoken about this on previous sessions, Felicity, is in order to lead others, you must first learn to lead self, right? And I think one of the challenges that I've always found is sometimes when you're passionate about something, what you say gets lost in how you say it or what you do because of an emotive response or frustration means that from time to time, you may not be walking the walk. I think it's okay to recognise as part of being a leader, and this is part of, you know, Alana made mention of, of leadership frameworks and the employ, uh, emerging leader programs and all that type of stuff. It's part of recognising that in order to be the best leader that you can be for an organisation, therefore, to be able to empower or embolden or deliver on an EVP, you actually need to say, you know what, I got it wrong, or I wasn't good in this situation. And I mean, so getting back to your question, you know, a challenge for me has been, I remember in one organisation I was at, 
I was I was convening a very large senior leadership conversation, and I absolutely went off at somebody, and I just I berated this person in front of all of their peers, and it was disgraceful leadership. And I, at the moment, it was just this emotive response, and I remember just sitting there thinking, if I'm doing this, how is this espousing the values? Right, which comes back to the employee value proposition. So the first thing I did is I stopped, I recentered, and I apologised in front of everybody to the to the person. I then took that person aside subsequently and I said, you know, I was mortified and I told them why and I apologised again. The next thing I then did is I said, if you want to make a complaint about me, then I encourage you to do so, go to the, the board chair of that organisation. I then went and made a conversation, had a direct conversation face-to-face with every, with every other one of that leader's peers to outline what I'd done, et cetera, et cetera, and a similar type thing. The reason I talk about that felicity in respect of the employee value proposition is the employee value proposition, in my experience, as Alana talked about, it's about the attack attraction, it's about the retention and all that type of stuff. Often from a retention piece, an EVP will fail when they are seeing, the organisation is seeing the leaders not being held to account themselves. And so by the reason I gave that example is I was holding myself to account despite the fact that I wasn't leading well, and I also let you know those people know I should be held to account. And so that's a, that's an example for me where, you know, the EVP actually has to be, and Alana made mention of this as well, lived and breathed every single way, every single step. But an EVP is not necessarily going to always help somebody be a better leader if you're not leading self. So there are a couple of thoughts about that. I, I would just jump in there. That, that's ex- exactly it. And I think when the EVP is not authentic, so when it doesn't, you know, what you what your words do not align to those actions, then no one can believe it, you know, like, and that's a great example of where, you know, I think the reality is too, no one's perfect. Like everybody at every level has moments and that can be, there can be a whole range of factors that contribute to that. But Brett, the fact that you then acknowledge that and took proactive steps for everyone in the room, then that shows, you know, that shows your effort and that you're getting back to that authentic, you know, that that authentic belief that, well, we should actually be respecting leaders and, and that these things are important. Yeah, and, and I think if you also think about the EVP in respect of providing support to staff, right, so, you know, everybody, as you said, Alana, you know, everybody, you know, is, is human. People have a lot of stuff going on outside of their work life, right? So an EVP is actually a fantastic way to help retain staff by actually saying to them, well, if you have a problem, talk to us. We can help you. And it's not just about saying, here's an employee assistance program, here's the phone number. It's about saying, well, we have options for you. Do you need to take special leave? Do you need to move home? Do you have a more, need to have a more flexible arrangement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And so I think that's where, you know, that, that EVP piece, yes, you've got to have the frameworks, you've got to have the policies and the procedures, but that is where good leadership will actually think about the EVP on an ongoing basis and engender that type of ongoing conversation in every part of their, you know, their, their day. Yeah. And, and no doubt there are many organisations that their EVP would revolve around, you know, real connections, having a safe environment and, and all of those, like those types of things, which too many people are of critical importance. Yeah. Sounds like embedding in culture and it's almost like a mindset that you would bring would be part of it as a leader to go, okay, 
I've created this EVP. What does that mean day to day? How do I bring that to life every day? Almost like I love those safety moments. And I think that's such a, you know, start a meeting with a safety moment or start your day with a EVP moment of how can I bring this to life? Have you got any tips, Alana, of how people could bring that to life if they are a leader, I guess, wherever they're at in the organisation? Is it part of culture? Is that where you can be successful? A hundred percent. And it's about embedding what that means within your organisation. So, so we had something similar. It wasn't necessarily for an EVP, but we had just put a focus on safety and making sure we were really focusing and transforming our and maturing our approach to safety in one of the organisations that that I worked in. So what we wanted to make sure was that we had consistent messaging across the organisation about how to do that. So we made sure that our CEO was releasing messages about the importance of safety. We actually did up a safety, you know, code of conduct. In addition, we then released, you know, meeting templates where we would make sure we had five to 10 minutes on a safety share and actually encourage different people to introduce the topic. And then we would provide examples. Look, this is what it looks like and how you do it. But think about what that looks like in your work context so that then it became real. And I think once people start to see those messages, you know, and that it's multifaceted, it's at different levels, it's from different people, all of a sudden they start to feel more comfortable about raising and talking and behaving in that way because it's also been role modelled. So I do think that it's all those different, you know, signals to your employees, not only about kind of what we're expecting in terms of behaviour and how to do things, but also role modelling and showing them that this is how you would do it if you're not quite sure. And then you that starts to kind of cascade and you get lots of different people then buying into, oh, I feel comfortable about that. I can do that. So so certainly that's how, how I would do it in, in nearly every organisation. And what you would just need to know is, well, what are the channels that work here in this particular place, depending on, you know, size, locality, how dispersed, those types of things. That's great. So practical as well, because I think, you know, a lot of organisations talk about, for example, integrity, and then you go, okay, what does that actually mean? And it can mean so many different things to so many people. But if you go, integrity looks like, you know, say turning up to a meeting on time or, you know, communicating or finishing a meeting on time. And I've been in organisations where there's a, our meetings just start five minutes late here. It's just what we do. And that is such a small thing and go, well, does that link back to our values and all that? So I love that there's some practical steps. And you kind of started talking about this and Brett, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is how do you know it's working? How do you know that you're on the right track for your EVP? You've created it, you've implemented it, you've got those practical steps in place. What are some of those signs it's working or potentially not working as well? Hmm. Yep. And and that's really important to acknowledge that, well, you know, a lot of the time, the plan that you have doesn't exactly work the way that you think it's going to work. And I do think that, you know, a good leader is someone who keeps in contact and keeps, you know, abreast of how are things going and therefore what are the adjustments that I need to make so that you can get it back on track or get it, you know, where you want it. So, so I think that as you're developing it, as you go back to your employees, you kind of, you know, co-design, verify what it is that you're focusing on. You also need to to develop what are those signals or signposts that we will be looking for to show that it's successful. So it might be direct feedback from staff. You might have, you know, feedback loops. It might be surveys. It might be focus groups. Obviously, you know, employee retention. Are we having more people stay? 
there's also what, what we've previously done is look at like, you know, job platforms, what are, you know, whether it be Seek or Glassdoor, what are they saying about our organisation? What are they saying about what's important? Does that align to what we're saying? And, and then it's also the anecdotal feedback that you get from your workforce many times every day. <laughs> you know, is that positive about the EVP? Do our senior leaders actually know how to talk about it? Do they continue a conversation about it? Do you know, has it been talked about? You know, we, we put out the template for, for it to be discussed within a meeting. Is that being done? So I think there's a whole whole range and probably formal and informal that you would want to be making sure that you're, you know, kind of looking across both to get those signals because it's often throughout those channels that you can, oh, we probably identify where you need to adjust or where you're doing really well. I agree with that. And I think another indicator for me is do our people want to talk to us? So, you know, I mean, I spend a lot of my time working out in, in one of the lunchrooms here at work. And I do that for one reason only, so that people can see me, so that I can get a feel and so that they can come up and talk. And I think it's fair to say that, yeah, or, you know, you'll start to see retention rates either go up or go down. You'll start to look at exit surveys and you'll get some, some great information in exit surveys or people won't want to do exit surveys and that might be, a, you know, an indicator. You'll start to see information like we talked about integrity, integrity complaints starting to come through, right, and that's important particularly if you don't have an integrity framework and you put one in place. But I think, you know, Felicity, further to what Alana said, one of the key things that I've seen of an EVP culture starting to emerge is when people are not afraid to challenge, not afraid to put their hand up in an open forum and say, look, yeah, to the leadership team, I get it, but I disagree. And mm -hmm. so for me, that's a really, really important thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's showing that people feel comfortable protected in actually saying we think there might be a better way of doing something mm. well, well brett when when we did work together and, and and we launched and had an evp we had our staff our staff engage on our staff engagement survey we had our participation rate go up for the consecutive years that we were there and it went up to it increased by at least 15 percent we had our employee engagement nearly get to 20 percent increased and we actually had a lot of feedback, you know, in terms of the programs and initiatives that we developed and whether or not they were 100% hitting the mark or not. We often had, you know, we, we did a whole session in terms of managers and how do you actually manage performance, both positive and negative. And we would do a survey at the end of that to get, you know, so you can get direct feedback on particular initiatives as part of your EVP. And then you can broadly get feedback on the, on the proposition. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, Felicity, just and then I'll I'll hand back to you, is one of the other things if you if you get the EVP right, if you've got a good emerging leaders program, and I was, you know, I was really proud of the one that Alana we set up at, at another place, and we're in the process of setting one up here as well as part of the, the development of our EVP now, is you start to see the number of internal hires at a more senior level, so promotions, mm -hmm. you start to see that increase. Or you start to see people get promotions externally, right? And I think that's a really classic, great example where you can actually see the linkage between the EVP through the Emerging Leaders Program and then the ability to go and get a new role. And so I think that's another example, Felicity, where, you know, you can see mm -hmm. how an EVP is working well. It's such a workplace today. It's constantly changing. It's such a dynamic environment <laughs> and leads painfully, Brett, I think, to my next question, which is you know, five generations working in a workplace. We've then had this acceleration of 
working from home flexibility through COVID. Alana, is there anything that you do differently today than you might have done, say, five years ago as a result of the changes that we're seeing across, yeah, across the landscape, generational side of things, or even from an engineering perspective, I think our projects are more complex and complicated. Mm. It's not so simple. Oh, we'll just build a road from here to here. We've got communities that are being impacted. Of course, we need to factor that in, but we're actually detailing, you know, thinking about it and applying it, not just, oh, that's fine. We can just do it the way, you know, we've always done mm-hmm. Have you seen, I guess, in the last sort of five to 10 years of the, the workplace we're in now and how does that influence how you think about EVPs? It's a big question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think the answer is, you know, we've seen fundamental change. We've seen, you know, the workplace of today, I think, doesn't look a lot like the workplace of five to 10 years ago. And organisations that want to engage their people have to be thinking about that in terms of how they design work, their expectations of employees. So, Even, you know, all of the research post-COVID says things like employees now want more autonomy about how they do their work, where they do their work. I certainly think that now, whereas previously hybrid work was definitely not an entitlement and it was something, you know, sometimes happened, I think we have moved into it is an entitlement and those organisations that can't work out how they offer something different or some form of flexibility for the way that their work is delivered just won't just won't get the best people because the best organisations are 100% doing that. And that doesn't look the same for every role and for every organisation. And I think that we can actually challenge ourselves and say that we should be doing that for frontline roles as well. Of course, in every role, there are other jobs that need to be done that just, you know, in the front line. So let's figure out how we share those benefits. I also think that, you know, in terms of these, you know, complex problems, I definitely think our problems, you know, no matter which, what you're solving, I think they're becoming more complex and they need broader, more diverse skills and experience to solve them, which means we actually need more agile teams. We need, you know, we need to determine who are the people to solve these problems based on their skills and abilities, not their job title or which team happened to get the problem. So again, previously, I feel like we've been driven by structures and the way that an organisation is set up, but I feel like now the better solutions are coming from when you have a specialised team that is set up that is specific to the problem and that you actually then need to work out within your organisation how do you get the, you know, the approval and the support from across the organisation to get then the right capacity and capability to solve them. So so I do think that the way that we approach the workforce, the way that we approach problems, the way that we do our work have all changed dramatically in the last five to 10 years. And then you just add technology onto that (laughs) and how you solve, you know, whether you use, you know, chatbots or what you do to get to those solutions. I think all of that has probably, you know, required different thinking, stronger leadership and and really thinking about what are the skills and capabilities to solve some of these big things. And that's where the EVP can be really important if you've got a leadership framework component as part of that, right? Because what you can do is you can engender this different way of thinking about problem solving through the leadership prism by simply saying something as simple as, well, 
one of the things that we might put in a, into an EVP is that you don't need to be a technical specialist to be a leader. You know, I, I've seen um, examples where uh, you might want to think about doing a rotation of your leadership team across mm-hmm. each part of the business. Now, I've spoken about that previously at different organisations, and generally one of the one of the things that people say is, but I'm not a technical expert in this area or I don't have a qualification in this area. If you go back to good leadership, leadership is about leading people. You get the right people around you, they can fix the problem. And so I think that's where, you know, from an EVP perspective, the leadership framework can actually really, really help engender that new way of thinking that Lana was talking about. So dynamic. Such an interesting concept, I think, too, from the traditional approach. And I think often engineering, I go back to that because that's the world I, I know best, is it can be very traditional. And oh, you're a rail engineer, 20 years experience, therefore you can lead this project. And what if they're, you know, not great at leading people just because they've got that mm. capability and being kind of flexible in how those roles look. And recently I, I spoke with a friend who she has a double, she's amazing, did a double degree in Chinese and engineering in four years and got amazing distinctions for the whole degree. And she actually took on a role for a mining company. And in the role, she had to have a qualification around, I think it was like a quarry master's ticket and she didn't have it. And she said, well, I'm going to delegate the responsibility of that role to someone in my team so that I can then still deliver the role but that's delegated out I thought that's such a creative way for her to still be in a team leader position and then delegate that out and still fulfill on what the role says like who said if it's in her role description but it doesn't kind of fit but she's the best person and I think some other organizations like Arab have done that really well with their co-CEOs that they've got at the moment two women in the role and they're leading it and doing an amazing job together and Arab actually rotates around their leadership team as well so the CEO is there for a set period of time they rotate through roles which I think is fantastic because they I've spoken to many leaders there before and I used to work there myself there's a real mindset that comes with okay I'm here for a set period of time how do I think about my role and how can I I shape it over the next four years that I'm here because I may not be in this position again. So there's lots of creative ways and it's awesome to see. I think it's almost like the the classic adapt or die. If people aren't coming to the party, organisations really saying, yes, we need, this is just the baseline now, you know, for Mm. people, the baseline expectation of this is what I'm looking for in an organisation. Would you see that pattern happening as well, Alana? That's kind of, this is the baseline I'm in or I'm out. And and I think depending on your culture, I think um, I think the example you give of the person who's you know been an engineer in rail for for twenty years, I think you then have to look at that and weigh up what are their strengths, what are they good at, what are they. You do also have to consider what are they comfortable with. So it might be a smaller, okay, we have some small projects that you can then collaborate with different people to get the right solutions. And you can still do this, which you're comfortable with. Because I do think that when people, you know, are confident in what they're doing and we can focus on their strengths and we can identify where they feel comfortable operating and then slowly start to move the dial to introducing new that then you can get better outcomes. Whereas what we don't want to do is is throw someone straight into something new where they don't feel comfortable, where they don't really know who to go to, and they could possibly lose their confidence. But again, I think that depends on the industry and where you're at and the, you know, 
history? What's the history of the particular organisation? Do people feel safe doing that or have they seen that lead to, you know, you know, negative outcomes? So I think that all of those things in terms of that, you know, that contextual environment would inform how fast you can go. And I definitely think there would be some that say, right, this is where we're going. You've got to get on board. And if not, then, you know, you're not for us. Our, you know, our EVP may not align. And I think it's okay to say, hey, look, I don't want to do that role. And I think there's often a lot of pressure to go, I must progress in my career. I must keep climbing the ladder. And I think it was it was interesting, again, back in my time at Arup, they had two pathways. I had the technical pathway and kind of the people leader pathway. And it was so good because you did feel valued for your technical skills. And it was okay to say, I want to stay in a technical role. And we do need people in those technical positions as we do in the people side of things. And I think Keyword there is value. So it's how do you value that person as the employee in that role and and maintaining that even if they might not choose that pathway and being okay with that. Yeah. And the reality is organisations need both. Yes. Like, you know, they, they need the technical, they need the people, and we, we need it in different proportions at different times. But if you're looking across the organisation, then you have more ability to go, right, we need more here, you could go there, uh, and to kind of be able to identify those opportunities. Yeah. We've got one final question for you, Alana, and Brett, then I'll turn to you to see if you've got any final questions. What would be your key piece of advice for people looking to attract, retrain, get the best people within their organisation? I would say understand your organisation. So understand what it is about your organisation that is, that, you know, contributes that unique value. Because I do think if you get that wrong, it doesn't matter what you do afterwards, whether it's then, you know, internally to employees watching it and going, that's not actually how it plays out. Or externally, if that's what you sell and it's actually not what you're providing, then I think there'll be a real mismatch. So it's about taking the time to work with your employees and that real co-design piece or at the very least, it's that verification of have we actually got this right? I think for leaders, that takes real courage to go, look, I might find out some stuff that I don't like and that's okay, but I really need to know that before I actually move forward and implement it. Yeah, awesome yeah. advice. Yeah. Brett, final question from you. Uh, and it's a, it's a true or false, Alana. An EVP sits on a shelf and gets reviewed or renewed once a year. False. I never put it on the shelf. <laughs> well, an EV would be a waste if that's all you did with it. If you don't embed it across that life cycle, if you don't live and breathe it, don't make it a priority. Invest your time and effort somewhere else. And so we think about the people that are listening to the podcast, right? It, an EVP, it needs to be co-created, but it lives and breathes and dies with leadership, yeah? 100%. Awesome. There's been such a powerful conversation, Alana. I'm taking personally away a lot for myself, even running We Aspire on what we can create for our team internally. There's definitely some level up that we can do. And I just love this. There's so many great concepts that you talked about, people process and technology, um, the employee life cycle. Brett, and I loved how you shared about recoverable mistakes that you can make as a leader. So thank you to both of you for your contribution to this podcast today. And you give me a lot, and I'm sure our listeners, a lot to talk about. A lot to think about. Thanks so much for being here, Alana. It's been awesome. Thank you. Absolute pleasure to talk to you both.